In 965, the Frost Giants made their way to Tonesburg, Norway on Midgard, threatening to plunge the mortal realm into a new ice age. But humanity would not face this threat alone, as King Odin and the Asgardians pushed them back to the heart of their own world. After the Frost Giants, King Laufey fell, Odin took in a young baby Frost Giant named Loki as his own. Then, on the night before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man named Dan Cooper hijacked a Boeing 727 and extorted $200,000 before donning a parachute and jumping off of the plane into the night, never to be seen again. Today, we will be discussing the only unsolved piracy case in both Midgardian and Asgardian commercial aviation history, D.B. Cooper. Welcome to Timeline Scavengers. And welcome to Timeline Scavengers, a podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. In this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Or day by day, even. And but it, not this today. is an important day. Oh my God, you're right. Let me say it again. Let me say it yep. again. Professional. It's just so cinematic. Okay, here we go. It is. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. One second. Was that better? No, no, that was fine. I just also forgot to hit start recording on the backup. Hopefully, everything else is fine. Great. Here we go. This is this is going perfect. Here we are. This is exactly. By the way, this is how Red Web. When we did it from home, this Mm -hmm. is how it went. So you are in good company. Let me just say that it's one of those things where no matter how many times you've done it, which in our case is about to hit 250 episodes, actually literally on Monday, uh, with this episode, this one, yeah, this one, uh, it's going like. No matter what you do, the amount of times where you go, wait, oh, no, shit. Yeah. Okay, start it over. R- run it back. Colin is like, you want to finish that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I am watching the movie Loki season one, episode one. Damn it. Uh, all right. But as you can clearly tell by the voice here, we have a guest with us. It is Trevor Collins of Red Web, Achievement Hunter, Rooster Teeth, all of those fames. Trevor, welcome to Timeline Scavengers. Thanks for having me. You said this is episode 250. Mm-hmm. Let, me just, let me just commend you all on nearly five years on your infinite journey. <laughs> that yeah. is this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Feels that. like yeah, millions. We're churning them out. Yeah, and it does feel like billions of years, I think. <laughs> How long ago was the dawn of time? Well, know, I'm old, I guess. You know, time Colin, scientists are... Oh, you're not. Okay, those are rhetorical. Number. 13 to 14 billion. My science brain won't let it go. There's your mm. answer. <laughs> Ish, good, right? Good. Hopefully, Somewhere in there, James yeah. Webb's telescope is sort of throwing a wrench in that. Maybe <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, well, welcome, Trevor. Uh, before we get into anything, uh, I was hoping that you would tell us a little bit about what you do. Talk to us about your podcast. Talk to us about all the content that you do. Sure. Yeah. You, you know. 
little bit of everything under this sun, uh, but my main bread and butter, Red Web, a podcast all about mysteries and conspiracies, anything from the internet to uh, true crime to internet mysteries, which are my favorite kind of niche that we do, uh, which kind of brings us back to the, the case at point, D.B. Cooper, something that we've talked about on the podcast for Red Web, something I'm very excited to readdress here because it's a merger of my favorite thing to watch which is the marvel cinematic universe i love the superhero uh, aspect of it all and then uh, a little bit of a sprinkling of mystery so it was really mm. cool to see especially in the loki show all the different mysteries that they tapped into mm -hmm. uh, some urban legends obviously you have db cooper as a mystery and uh polybius i think it was the polybius arcade was referenced and there mm -hmm. might be one other thing that i can't remember off the top of my head yeah yeah yeah, nothing's coming to mind, but they they definitely have they have done you know Easter eggs of a bunch of stuff for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, um, and it's also I definitely agree with you that it's like a perfect like marriage of a couple of different things because it's also a great opportunity to have not only uh, an expert from Red Web who's already covered DB Cooper, but also an expert from another movie podcast uh, that's not at all about movie <laughs> mysteries. Just a oh, that's movie our thing, yeah. Red Web. The movie podcast about mysteries because we reference it. There's something so succinct about film and television mm -hmm. and pop culture. So when you're trying to create an analogy or just like, oh, this mystery is just like X, Y, and Z to just pluck from pop culture, it just makes it so like concise. Absolutely. So we reference, I think we've referenced on average three or four movies <laughs> per podcast across the entire spread. One of them, I think, tapped out at about 10 to 15 film references. Wow. So wow. sometimes we get a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't want to blow up Colin's spot, except I'm going to do it right now. When this sure. episode came out and it was D.B. Cooper, the day the episode came out, Colin was like, we got, we're going to get Trevor to be on this show to do D.B. Cooper. This is a non-negotiable. <laughs> I signed up and I'm ready, Captain. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you here. And listen, I'm I'm fine with you putting me on blast. I I'm glad that I put it into the universe. I was like, this has to happen. I was like, you I manifested I, it. I got I gotta have this is this is the this is the person to talk to about it. Yep. If anyone Well I'm, seriously, I'm I'm really happy to be here. Like uh, Colin, you've been a very active member of our task force community with Red Web, but also Rooster Teeth and Achievement Hunter, everything else we talk we do, games, comedy, videos. Um, and you've been just like a really positive force in our, in our community. So I'm really grateful to be here. So I appreciate you reaching out and inviting me and potentially Fredo at some point, my co-host to we'll be on a future episode. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's truly like, I love the MCU, but he knows the comics and the mm -hmm. deeper lore. And he's the one I go to, to talk about all the theories and stuff. So at some point in the, down the line, he's the, he's the brain to pick for, uh, kind of that deep lore. Absolutely. I know for sure that in my head, one of the non-negotiable episodes for Alfredo is the snap uh, for Tony Stark, Ooh. mostly just because oh, I want to talk about the time that he got up on the off topic table and d did like the statue version and was just like throwing his ass back a little bit. Be like, oh, yeah. let's talk about that, Fredo. Let's bring yeah. that. How does that <laughs> represent the MCU? You know, it's going to be so cool to talk mind. about that in six years. <laughs> that was uh... going to be so long from now. I feel like they're both the pinnacle of a career, right? The Iron Man, Tony Stark, the culmination of yeah. decades of work, and then the, the ass sprawled out across the 100%. table on a, just a random podcast. It's an iconic <laughs> moment for the show, yeah, for sure. And you kind of alluded to this already, uh, but when we have guests on, we like to uh, initially talk to them about what what is your history, both with like Marvel Comics or with uh, MCU, or or where do you where are you coming in on this? Uh, even though 
I think we, you you already answered a little bit, but go into more detail about where yeah. you're coming from on uh, on Marvel stuff. So I try to cover or not cover, but I, I try to watch as much as possible when it comes to the MCU because it's just a, a really interesting, well done, cohesive multiverse. I haven't yeah. watched every single thing. I think one of the shows that comes to mind, for example, is Ms. Marvel kind of mm. fell off my radar and I've been meaning to come back around to it. There's some other kind of fringe shows that maybe aren't within the MCU uh, that I've dabbled with. But on the whole, I, I really enjoy the film and television. I haven't dabbled with the comics too much, though mm -hmm. I am teasing with the idea of of getting into uh, whatever the subscription's called to get access to all the comics mm -hmm. and start reading maybe ahead because yeah. uh, Kang is such a compelling villain. I want to read more about Doom uh battle world and everything that could come in in the show are things that i'm, I'm kind of interested in in trying to read about but until yeah. then i just pick my friend's brain i don't uh get paid by them and in fact uh we do pay them each year uh <laughs> yeah. i would say that marvel <laughs> unlimited is incredibly worth it like I've, there's All been right. times where i'm like oh i think i want to look up what has captain carter been where's what's the deal you just you can just type in and it's like here's her whole thing here's all the places that she's everything shown up she's and, been in yeah it's that's really, so really cool good. yeah they're I really that. well organized with mm -hmm. like when you have an event that goes across multiple comics instead of having to jump across they'll collect it for you so you can just sort of keep swiping love yeah. it good stuff that's the thing i feel like i need as a yeah. as a comic novice is yeah. overwhelming where do i start where like do i need to know stuff going in they literally have start here or start here oh, or start here yeah <laughs> dang okay it, start here You're selling Trevor. me, selling like, me. what is that and then now i know that, that they're talking to you so that's, yeah, that's gotcha good. well if trevor if you do end up getting it let us know so i can send an invoice to marvel unlimited and be like hey <laughs> come on now we're influencers Look at that. we, we got go. a conversion exactly <laughs> that's a hundred percent that's a good point yeah true okay well then since we've uh covered our bases and we've kind of gotten all of our like introductions uh, in order. Let's get into some uh, some story and mystery with mm. what happens in Loki season one, episode one. Uh, the two clips in question are uh, starting at 26 minutes and 47 seconds and ending at 27 minutes, 32 seconds. And then again, 27 minutes and 35 seconds because there's a little interjection there. This is a close um, your eyes and you don't have to stop the- A little bit. Uh, <laughs> what, it, what is in our benefit is that that moment is quite literally out of the time stream. So starting at 27 minutes and 35 seconds again, sorry, and then ending at 2810. Uh, and here is what happens. Over the PA system, we hear Northwest Orient Airlines 305 on schedule to land in Seattle. And as the pilot drones on, a flight attendant brings a man in a suit, a bourbon and soda. He thanks her. She asks if there's anything else he can do for her, and he hands her a slip of paper. She smiles and he winks at her. He beckons her to come back real quick, and yes, Mr. Cooper, you might want to take a look at that note. She looks confused, and he whispers to her, I have a bomb. Which, again, very different times, because I feel like if you said that today, I think you'd instantly be on the floor. Uh, and gently places his hand on his briefcase. A little later, we see the plane has landed, and she is outside speaking to cops who have the plane surrounded. D.B. Loki Cooper now adons his Ray-Bans and smiles to himself. The flight attendant returns with a bag full to, uh, filled to the brim with cash as Loki zips up a parachute pack onto his back. He winks at her and says, see you again someday. 
She can't help but smile. The man has riz. What can we say? Loki <laughs> grunts under his breath. Brother, Heimdall, you better be ready. The plane's aft staircase opens and Loki jumps out. As he begins soaring through the air, the Bifrost catches him, bringing him back to Asgard and sending the money flying everywhere. Whew. Action-packed sequence there. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. Uh, Trevor, as we mentioned earlier, you're the expert in all things D.B. Cooper. So hit us with that those D.B. Cooper facts. Oh, let me squeeze that knowledge juice right into your cup. So the thing that stood out to me, and I listened very closely to the pilot, which having watched this scene many times, like the cup, uh, I never really listened to. Uh, but since we were going to do this podcast, I rewatched the scene. It was, first of all, super cool to see it in the show, seeing how true to form it was. So I wanted to go over some of the things that were immediately accurate that they covered in that very short minute and a half. So Northwest Orient was in fact the airline. It wasn't a made up one. That is factually the airline that was taken. And the pilot, you could barely make it out because some other sound folly is starting to happen around this time. But the pilot introduced themselves as William A. Scott. That is, in fact, the pilot that was involved with the actual flight, Flight 305. You you can also hear that they are inbound to Seattle. He says very quietly underneath the uh, the hostess that they have a 30-minute flight, which is all factual. Everything that you hear on that is uh, is some. It's very quiet, very background, but. 100% true. And when you see at the very end, when he jumps out, you see that it is, in fact, a Boeing 727 with the rear stairwell that comes out. And that is what D.B. Cooper, as he's known, uh, jumped out of the plane from. Because when they landed, uh, at some point, and we'll kind of get in there, but at some point along this new flight leg, uh, they landed in Seattle, then they left again. He jumps out somewhere along the Pacific coast. And... Um, they just know that the stairwell was down at some point. So everything we saw was accurate and very fascinating. In fact, to the to the point where he got like blipped up and then there's a bunch of money floating around. Mm -hmm. That was one of the interesting things about this mystery is that money has been uncovered in various spots, wooded and otherwise sometimes buried in the banks of a river. And they have the notes, uh, the serial numbers, so they can trace that these were some of the notes that actually went along with D.B. Cooper. But the rest of the money... The bag, the man, all missing for the rest of time. And so, in a, in a very poetic way, they inserted Loki into a mystery and answered the mystery. Because mm -hmm. they left all the evidence that otherwise would have been there. So I love all that. But, if you like, I can take you through the mystery as it is. Yes. Absolutely. So, November 24th, 1971. That's where it all kicks off. You see a little bit of the timepiece in the attire. Uh, suits are eternal, but... The, uh, the flight hostess kind of has a little bit of a different uh, outfit, as you might see today with the hat and everything. Um, but yeah, 1971, there's a man estimated to be in his mid-40s named Dan Cooper. This is an interesting uh, note that I, when we were doing the research for this episode, found out that the pseudonym that he gave was actually Dan Cooper. And it's due to the news's miscommunication that D.B. Cooper became the popular name, and that's the name that stuck. Hmm. But... He bought a one-way ticket from Portland International Airport, flight 305, a 30-minute flight to Seattle. So it's a very short leg. If you're not familiar with the Pacific Coast or uh, Northwest, it's not that far away, especially by flight, hence mm -hmm. the shortness. He's carrying a black briefcase with him. He dresses in a black business suit, and he's got uh, just a plain black tie, white shirt, and as you mentioned, the Ray-Bans. 
sits in the back of the passenger cabin. He orders a drink and he waits patiently for the flight to depart. And about 10 minutes after takeoff, somewhere around 3 p.m., Cooper hands a note to the flight attendant named Florence Schaefer. So I looked very closely to see if she had a name tag or introduced herself in any way. That was, in fact, Florence Schaefer. Um, now, unlike the show, the only maybe difference, and this is probably just for the sake of television, is that he hands her the note. She does start to turn and he goes, you might want to read that. She reads it. He doesn't say what it is out loud, uh, but she reads it and she goes, oh my gosh, he's got a bomb. She asked to see the bomb for proof, brave. Uh, but she goes, prove it, okay? Or I'm going back to the front. <laughs> no shot. A little, a little early. But, Unlikely. You know. Yeah. Right. So instead of reaching over and touching the case, he opens it up a little bit and you see some red wires, some cylinders, and uh, what appears to be a massive battery. Then he closes it and he gives Schaefer a list of demands telling her to relay it to the cockpit so that way the cockpit can radio ahead to make sure everything is fair and square, if you will. He asks for four parachutes, interestingly. He asks for a fuel truck standing by in Seattle in order to refuel the plane for immediate retake off and $200,000 in cash, otherwise worth one and a quarter million today. So at this point, the note goes back to the cockpit. Pilot William Scott contacts air traffic control in Seattle, who then contacted authorities, all the people you saw on the tarmac, uh, the police around. The plane circled Puget Sound near Washington coast for about two hours to allow the Seattle police to scramble with the FBI to get the parachutes, the money, and everything else that was required. They also wanted to mobilize personnel just in case anything happened, right? God forbid the bomb go off or anything worse happen. Passengers were told that their arrival would be delayed due to mechanical difficulties. So you imagine this 30 minute flight became a two and a half hour flight and people are going, can I just land? <laughs> this was supposed to be like, I could drive here faster. <laughs> Mechanical error, uh, the plane does not operate nearly as well when blown up. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, yeah. Good potential <laughs> potential catastrophic failure. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> so at this point, the president of the airline, uh, again, Northwest Orient, uh, authorized the payment of the ransom from not just a random bank, but instead the airline itself. Hmm. This is the another detail that wasn't shown, probably for the sake of time, but there's another flight attendant at, at this time. Tina McClough said that Cooper seemed to be familiar with the area. In general, he kind of makes comments about who, where they're flying, what they're flying over. Uh, he's saying things like, I think we're over Tacoma. Uh, and he correctly mentions an Air Force base nearby. And he gives kind of an estimated time of driving. So he's like, if we land, it'll be about a 20 minute drive to get there, et cetera, et cetera. So he's just making comments on where they're at and you joke about his riz but the man's got suave mm -hmm. i mean he's he's got charisma and that was definitely something that they noted but yeah he continues to stay calm polite well-spoken orders another drink pays his tab he even offered to request meals as part of his whole shebang mm. for the flight crew so he's kind of like he seems like a regular guy right like he's, oh, yeah i, I just right. happen to have a bomb yeah <laughs> as you do you know <laughs> right just casually so now it's 5 24 p.m cooper was told that his demands were met 5 39 the plane lands at the seattle tacoma airport cooper then instructs the pilot scott to taxi to a brightly lit section of the of the apron uh, which is kind of just on the edge of the tarmac and closed each of the window shades in order to deter any snipers from looking in but also it being well lit gives him a good vantage point out and then at this point comes the knapsack or the large kind of duffel containing the cash. It was delivered along with parachutes um, to McClough, the uh, flight attendant. And uh, 
they took those up the aft stairs. So whether he knew about those stairs going into it or not, that's mm. part of like some of the theories that come uh, we talk about on our podcast. But um, this at least establishes it to him. So if he didn't know about them before, he knows about them now. So up the stairs comes the money. 10,000 unmarked $20 bills. Cooper rejected uh, a military issue parachute, instead demanding civilian parachutes with manually operated rip cords. Cooper then ordered everyone on the plane except for the four crew members to disembark. While refueling, Cooper told the cockpit crew his plan. He said he wanted the plane to head towards Mexico City at the slowest possible airspeed, the slowest they could go without stalling, um, and keep the altitude at a maximum of 10,000 feet. He then added other specific flight conditions for the plane to maintain. Um, and I think what's interesting here, if I recall, is that due to the size of the plane, the flight, that uh, the altitude and the speed that they wanted to take, they would almost ne uh, almost guaranteed need to refuel along the way. Mm -hmm. But to kind of spoil the end of the story, obviously he jumps out of the plane, right? So <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think he cares He's like, right. where they're problem? going. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to... He just, he kind of knows, okay, between Seattle and New Mexico, I'm going to jump out somewhere in here. Right. Or I guess not New Mexico, but Mexico City. Right. Right. Um, let's see here. Original Mexico. He also, true, old Mexico. He <laughs> further specified that he wanted the landing gear to, to remain deployed in the takeoff and landing position, that the wing flaps needed to be lowered 15 degrees, and that the cabin remain unpressurized. So it's seemingly like, it seemed that he knew he was going to jump out. Yeah. He wanted to stay at a low altitude. He wanted to create as much drag as possible so that way he wouldn't go tumbling and that there would be probably, my guess, less uh, air currents generated by the plane, mm -hmm. turbulent wind, so that way he could open his chute at a more re reasonable time. Um, so it all seems very, very premeditated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, co-pilot William Raddick... Uh, William Radigzak told Cooper that with these conditions, another refueling would be necessary. They discussed many of the options as to where they want to stop. And I believe they landed on Reno, Nevada, which is kind of in the midway point between Seattle and Mexico, sure. or at least Mexico City. And uh, that's where they were going to uh, refuel. Now at 7.40 p.m., the plane eventually finally took off with all five people. You got Cooper, you got the pilot, William Scott, co-pilot William Radichak, Flight Attendant Tina Mucklow and Flight Engineer H.E. Anderson. So the original flight attendant that he talked to disembarked and was not on the plane. That actually turns out to be an inaccuracy to Loki. Mm -hmm. So that flight attendant was not on board when he jumped off and no one was around. They were all up front and behind right. the closed doors when he jumped out. So they, they didn't know when. They just knew at some point the lower or the back stairs were deployed and off into the night he went. Now... Five other planes were following the Boeing 727, including two F-106 fighter planes. Cooper ordered Mucklow to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit for all of them to remain there, like I said, with the door closed. Mucklow noticed Cooper tying something around his waist, but couldn't really see what all was going on. Around 8 p.m., a warning light flashed in the cockpit, indicating that Cooper was attempting to lower the aft staircase. They soon noticed a substantial change in air pressure, indicating that the aft door itself was open meaning i mean he he requested that it not be pressurized but either way you have a difference in altitude that much pressure is going to be wildly sure. different so mm. opens the door they know for a fact this is probably when he left if not moments thereafter so at 8 13 p.m the plane's tail section suddenly moved upward 
significantly enough to require require a manual adjustment of the level. So basically the pilot feels. So what would probably happen if you think of the stairs as like a lever on the plane, mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. somebody go out on that, you, you feel their weight, they got these parachutes, they got this money, it's weighing down that stair and then suddenly they jump off. Uh, and they were probably correcting for that weight without noticing it as they slowly right. edged out. Suddenly that weight is off, lifts up the plane, they go, oh my gosh, they pull back to right, level right. out the plane. 10.15, they land in Reno. Authorities swarm the plane, as you can imagine. Uh, this isn't just your typical refuel. This is, right. let's get the guy. Right. Um, only to find that Cooper, as you can see from Loki, was not on board. He did leave behind two of the four parachutes, a black clip-on tie, interesting, uh, mm -hmm. and some cigarette butts. DNA samples were found on the tie, but nothing to indicate the samples were from Cooper himself. Traces of titanium were found on the tie, indicating that Cooper might have worked at, in a medical or a metal or chemical manufacturing plant, which is interesting. And then there were also some rare earth minerals found on the tie as well. And in the 1970s, these were minerals that had been seen in the development of a Boeing project, suggesting that Cooper might have been a Boeing employee, yeah. hence all his knowledge of the area right. and of the plane itself. Yeah. And there you have the detailed story of what happened that night with D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper. Right. Or Loki. Right. Or um, Loki, factually. <laughs> right. uh, Sorry, the, I just talked the truth, uh, right. your ears off. But that's what, no, we, that's that's what, that's what our for. show's all about. Like you're literally, yeah, is, you, is you did what you were supposed to do. You're yeah. good. Uh, I noted that, uh, I mean, like, obviously for it to work like cinemata cinematographically for it to look good on screen um uh, they had it during the day and as right. opposed to at night i know like, that too yeah like mm -hmm. i don't i'm not worried I'm like you know of course it's a, you know, a goof on imdb but it's like did we really want to see this cool effect in the pitch black night no. right right no. right you Especially see a black suit with a with a dark sky backdrop. He's right. gone. Yeah, exactly. Right. The Bifrost, like a, the more you know star. And then yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I feel like it definitely had to be done during the day because like, you know, just like you said, he's in a, a dark, you know, outfit. But then also like, yeah, you have that bright blast. But then also like for sure the planes would have seen that probably. But if it's in the day, maybe it's harder to see against the sunlight. But like the sea of 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 you know money notes, cash notes, you know, floating through the air, I feel like really would fall flat for the joke, I guess, in yeah. some fashion, if it was nighttime and it just was like, were there birds there? What happened? You know, you're like, what? You know, it. All it the makes other pilots saw the Bifrost very clearly, and they're like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, they go. It's we're just gonna say that we didn't see him jump right, like because they will not believe us. No uh, one's gonna believe that we just saw this giant sky beam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would there be an impact on the ground? Because it feels like, despite him being in the That's, air, it, it must have gone all the way to the ground. Yeah. And do Maybe. you think it was just empty ground? Or do you imagine someone's dog got abducted? Like, <laughs> like Someone's walking Sparky yeah. and you yeah. know, Loki's way up in the atmosphere. <laughs> My dog! They're talking yeah. to like their neighbor and he's like, yep, yep, yep. And they're like, okay, I'll, I'll just let the leash loose just right, a little right, bit. Right. And all of a sudden there's like no tug and they're like, oh, they must have lied. No, oh my God, Sparky. Just <laughs> you just, empty it's collar. just a leash with a burnt end. Yeah. That's actually how um, Heimdall gets all his pets and mm. it's like his one vice. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. just like, oops, I beamed him Come up. Back. I don't know. I don't know how to. His one evil deed. <laughs> He's just this giant man just like with a very small. It's honestly, it's like a, you know, Labrador. But like to him, it's so small. Yeah. And he's just like <laughs> you know, petting it like it's a exactly arm held pet. Um, but I could also see like, I know, I don't know how the Bifrost works because it's uh, made up. But also, uh, 
like if it's like a faucet where like you turn it on and mm. then it hits here and then you turn it off before it gets. To, I mean, I know that. Hey, like my example Bean? that I just did just now doesn't make sense because uh, well, you like, have to suck the water back. The water up back up, yeah. That's true. That's true. It would still. I don't know. Like, does it does it just create a beam that is always sucking? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so, like, I really don't know. It's what's the suck factor here? But it or. It, or is it like Mr. Bean where because it, well, it delivers people too? you remember the, the very intro yeah. to Mr. Bean where the beam starts very small and it opens up <laughs> wide. Yeah. And then Mr. Bean hits the, the concrete, gets right. up, the beam closes. It's, I guess, like a bridge. It is called a Bifrost bridge. So, yeah. You know what would have been cool is if the, you know how it makes the, the pattern on the ground when someone uh, yeah. like zaps down. Lands, yeah. If that had been in like the clouds. Like Ooh. if it had been like like zap air and like not like we don't need it to be like huge or whatever but right. just like if you notice it on your third watch or whatever in preparation for whatever podcast you might be making about the <laughs> timeline um you notice that the clouds are sort of in a what that same pattern that'd be kind of cool yeah. yeah like a wily coyote fell through the cloud and you see the yeah, clear yeah, outline yeah, exactly by the way there's really two cool. references right there i just <laughs> there you go. Yeah, i yeah. told you i speak in pop culture but yeah uh what's interesting now and this is Sorry, this is just pulling my no, mystery brain back onto it. Is the fact that they took off at 7:40, 8:20 starts to like open up the stairwell and whatnot. At 8:13, uh, he's hopping out, more or less. Right? We're more or less confident that that's where. Th 30 minutes after takeoff, right? Yeah. Plus a few minutes to get up to altitude and and kind of if they took off northbound and then had to turn back south, uh, that puts him right back at Portland. Yeah. The city that he took off from. I don't know. I just wanted to highlight that. That's so yeah, interesting just, to me. I he feel just like... goes home. He just drives yeah, home. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you know what? I'm going to book a flight. They're all past to go catch yeah. him. <laughs> he wouldn't go back, right? He's like, he just parachutes all the way back to yeah. Seattle. He lands in his pool and he's <laughs> like, hey, honey, his own I'm home. <laughs> wow. How was your trip to Seattle for a few hours? Right. <laughs> Excellent. Very productive. Very yeah. productive. And then... But and he's he sort of stands there nodding, and then behind him the big black bag of cash hits the pool, right? <laughs> like several seconds behind him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He maybe used the other uh, since two were two parachutes were missing. Yeah. Oh, God, could you imagine he just attaches a a bag aimlessly with a parachute? Yeah. Now here's a question I have for you guys though. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, knowing okay. the timeline and knowing all the details, what do you think outside of the obviously being the god of mischief and and trickery? What do you think he was after with that money? Ooh. Or what oh. or what was he doing in the timeline? Because I mean, obviously in this scene, broadly, right. they're kind of reflecting on his impacts right. in yeah. the world. So um, okay, so I know I know part of why he's there, basically, because of that that same scene uh that does continue in like the non-timed TVA. But mm -hmm. like I also think that they never really gave an answer to what they would do afterwards, which I think is the interesting thing. The idea was that the reason why he says, like, brother Heimdall, you know, you'd better be there, like, to, to catch me, uh, mm -hmm. is because this whole thing was he lost a bet to Thor. And so then he, I guess they were just kind of oh. like, one of us has to go do this thing. And I'll tell you, Thor would not have made it at nearly as far if Thor had to do that. So it's a good thing Loki was the one that lost the bet, I guess. <laughs> he was that's huge, wild, blonde, like, Built. Right, but also again, like Loki is like brilliant and like cunning. So like 
you know, he gets there and he goes, okay, yes, I know enough about Midgard to know to say, uh, give me a parachute, give me this, right? But like Thor would be like, why, why bother? I have a hammer? The hammer takes me away. <laughs> like, he's like, give me the cash. Great. Thank you. <laughs> like through the roof. They're like, ah, the pressure. You know, like, you know, he would, he would do way yeah, more damage. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, in the grand calculus of the multiverse, though, there has to be a world or a universe, rather, where Thor did this. Oh, oh, oh. I, wa oh. I want to see that. I want to see that in What If. Yes. What if Thor was TV Cooper? And he's just sitting there like, thanks for the money. And then it just like, punches <laughs> through the roof, leaves the imprint on the like on the seats. Yeah. And up he goes. And they're like, listen, I don't know. Some buff blonde guy came through with a hammer, asked for money, and then blasted <laughs> off like an alien. That's the best part, I think, too, because instead of saying, I have a bomb, he would say, I have a hammer. And they'd be like, like I don't understand. Great. And he like picks it up, and they're you've, like, that is a big hammer. Hmm. <laughs> that is a, you know what? That is an impressive hammer. Maybe you've had too many bourbons and sodas. So yeah, exactly. We're going to have to shut you off. Another. The U.S. Marshal. Another. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any coffee on this flight? <laughs> I like to think that uh, they are constantly playing this kind of game uh, where they're sort of robbing from, I don't, listen, I don't know how rich this airline was, but <laughs> let's say that they were super rich and, and evil, um, that they're like taking money and giving it to people in Norway, like as like, you know, bounty for, for, you know, them being gods. And it's like, hey, we're, you know, we pay off God, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And sometimes it's by pretending to be D.B. Cooper. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, like, uh, I don't think their power is derived from people believing in them in, uh, in Marvel. Right. But, but it is like, I mean, they are, yeah, worshipped on earth. It's like a is, well, hold on, bonus. let me ask, let me turn it into a question because I'm not sure. Is, is there a correlation between their, uh, their worship and their power level or their existence? Or, or is that not, I guess Zeus is the god of gods and he's kind of. I don't Old believe so Earth. because like they talk about like when they go back to Tonesburg, like way later, the whole thing uh -huh. is like, they're like, yeah, they don't really worship us here anymore. Like the old ways and stuff like that has gone. Uh, and what, but like, they don't seem to be that I think disturbed by, it. I think it's kind of like a thing of like, Oh, like they don't understand like the whole conversation of what is science to us is magic to them, mm. you know, kind of thing. Like I think to them, they're like, Oh, it's like, it's so cute that they, yeah. Or rather, other way around. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I, had yeah. That, I, had that I got reversed. you. <laughs> but it's like it's so cute, like because it's we're so more advanced in this way than they are that they think that this makes us like a god and deity. It's like, please, you know, we're just we're mm. just from another plane of existence. You know, we're Asgardian. We're you know more sturdy, but like you couldn't yeah. stand up to the frost giants because you didn't have you know the weaponry or whatever yet. But right. we right. do. Um, well, maybe to James's point, you know, maybe it was uh, some sort of seed money. For yeah. new Asgard, mm. you know, well, yeah, let inflation oh. take its, or maybe they invested it wisely. I don't, I don't know. They're time travelers. <laughs> maybe they bought Apple stock. <laughs> you know, that's how he could afford his retirement. Maybe Loki is, maybe Loki was actually, uh, what is his name? Cook, this the current CEO. Oh, Tim uh, Cook. Tim Cook, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe he's him, or maybe okay. he was Steve Jobs. Who knows? Yes. Okay, I would love to see like a little thing. <laughs> Make him wait. What? Which one was the CEO during the time where they finally took away the aux port 
That would probably be Tim Cook, right? Oh, I don't know. Make him Loki because then he comes in. He's like, we've got innovation. We're getting rid of the ox port, all this other stuff. And he goes backstage, turns back to Loki. And he's like, yes, I've said that. <laughs> I've gotten that's, them. That's perfect because the phone, not to get off track, but it's kind of the same thing for a while, right? Yeah. Like, And so he's like, how can I make this worse but make them love it. You know, <laughs> we're gonna get rid of all the convenience. There's no more buttons. Yeah. Right. Um, that's that would be a very Loki move. <laughs> but he accidentally helps advance our technology by like a decade, and he's like, oh, yeah, this, yeah. This it all backfires. Yeah. That would be perfect. Place. The Frost Giants invented Bluetooth and didn't even try and hide it. <laughs> it was just called like, Tooth, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, so Trevor, uh, since we're kind of getting into that, uh, some of these things of like, you know, what Loki has potentially changed and stuff like that, I'm going to just, I think, skip over my first question because we really we really got into some of the, the deep lore there anyway. Yeah. So um, I actually have some help here for the second question. Um, because it's a time travel show, I went into the future mm -hmm. and I got Excellent. future Trevor to ask us this next question. Wow. Here it is. What changes the most in the D.B. Cooper theories if this episode of Loki was true? That Loki is the one and he got sucked up by the Bifrost instead of parachuting to the ground? Uh, that was uh, also, by the way, thanks to our mutual friend Peter Hayes. Peter Hayes sent me that earlier oh, nice. today. Uh, Master of clips and gifts. Absolutely. Uh, so the question is, just to make sure that we all hear it, is what changes the most in the D.B. Cooper theories if this episode oh. is true? That Loki is the one that you know did, did this, but then he got sucked up by the Bifrost instead of parachuting to the ground because there was like eight hundred suspects and all this other stuff. There's oh yeah, a lot of deep stuff. I mean, they. Uh, I just re-listened to the episode yesterday just to make sure I had this right. I know it was recent. I forgot to write down what year, but they just kind of called it off finally, being like, "Yeah, we I, don't know." While we consider this, I need to go back to a question. I just think I solved something. Why would Loki do this? It doesn't matter about the money. It doesn't matter about anything. He was making someone late. Someone oh on that my flight. God. Mm. He was making someone late for no reason. Just for just for giggles. He's like, oh, just a half an hour flight? Watch this. And that's and then he went down to history for the wrong thing. Yeah. He was like, yeah. Florin Schaefer, you don't know this, but the last time I was on Earth, you actually were really mean to me. So now I'm going to ruin your day. <laughs> I think so much could drastically change if it were factually Loki Laufeson, um, including the butterfly effect. I mean, this could go wild, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about Ashton Kutcher's butterfly effect, but I could be. Uh, make yeah. it reference three. So <laughs> the thing is, like, the butterfly effect straight up, like one small change could have a huge rippling effect. And who who knows who was on that plane? We don't have the, the roster yeah. here, but mm, exactly. it could be that there were for two hours holding up these people. Maybe um, maybe Bill Gates was late to a meeting, right? Uh, who knows? Uh -huh. Like it is Seattle and it yep. is the home of Boeing for whatever it's worth. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious if uh, this had negative implications for the flights, uh, not, not the flight, but the uh, airline. I yep. wonder if it had major implications for all the people on the plane but then also it it scrambled the police right mm -hmm. they and the fbi so immediately they're in a tizzy to not only find this person for years but in the immediate future they're just like we're at reno where's this guy let's look everywhere in between and he's just giggling in asgard right, right. like yeah i it's so perfectly low-key because yeah. it's so mildly destructive it's mm -hmm. so right. it's such a like 
it's just like a a soft burn like a paper cut but like a lot of them i don't i don't even know it's yeah. not like something so sinister evil it's it's purely loki being a trickster yeah just like a mystery. and then it also implicates of, yeah. oh yeah and it also like you said um it also implicated upwards of 800 people right over these like five years that followed so so he's just giggling away as 500 or excuse me 800 people over five years of fbi toil just wild just like it's such soft damage mm-hmm. yeah he just threw like banana peels down mm-hmm. over the 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 succeeding five <laughs> years just like and you were inconvenienced and you were inconvenienced it's, i don't need this money it's <laughs> a lot like that classic question where people are like you know what like completely useless superpower would you like you know like to have kind of thing i feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of what this is where it's just like he's just inconveniencing everyone is really like mm-hmm. there's no necessarily majorly ill intent or whatever he doesn't even get it seems like maybe a third of the money it seems to just you know vanish into the air or you know get chucked out again like you said he doesn't seem to care which again in today's money is now worth one million four hundred eighty five thousand six hundred twenty nine dollars but like on Ooh. Asgard, you know, what is that cash money? They're just like, what is, why is this not gold? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> what is this useless paper? And why did you ask for negotiable American currency? <laughs> right. And also what is America says most Asgardians. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what their education system's like. Probably better. It's but great. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, they, it's it's got to be better so than good. ours, honestly. <laughs> I mean, they're not learning about their history. They're learning about their history plus all the other realms right. history, probably. <laughs> You um, went to SeaTac? Why wouldn't you go? Yeah. They, just know air, they know everyone knows commercial air flight really, really well in Asgard. It's it's a it's a, it's a trend. <laughs> they all take they all take flight uh like courses and in, in flight controls and dynamics <laughs> and stuff. They're like, this is such a niche little old science. I love this. They're like, I just fly around with my hammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thor is the reactionary, like he doesn't like they're just take a plane they have right. these planes like i like my hammer it's like all right he's like it's okay. so it's, you have to go and you have to check in you have to wait then you have to get on it like, do you realize how much faster i could get there like they, they is like the, i only out. listen to vinyl of asgard like oh, a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> they perfected it with a hammer why make a plane <laughs> <laughs> Why did he get four parachutes? I'm sorry. That's the thing I keep coming back to. Do we have I, any idea? It's, it's more evidence in the in the Loki column, in all yeah. seriousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's just confusion. Um, yeah. And I got my notes in front of me, but man, it's a lot of words. So mm-hmm. I, I, once again, I'll self-promote and say, go listen to the episode if you want For all the sure. details. We cover D.B. Cooper. Oh, yeah. I'm putting it in the links. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like remember, a- like... In text, uh, you know, see like in the comic books, oh, yeah. like, like go go over to that episode, episode and yeah. yeah, like a like a reference. But yeah, I don't know. I I remember that some people theorize that whoever this person was must have had some sort of um, military experience based on his knowledge of like planes, the military base nearby, and the fact that despite asking for civilian parachutes, he does in fact um, get older military air uh, parachutes. And he used that one. He used an old military parachute, leaving a sport, a civilian sport parachute behind. I think he also took a reserve parachute mm-hmm. with him, um, which is also a question. But anyway, it is interesting that he asked for four yeah. and then said, please, not the military ones. But then when he got them, he took the only old military <laughs> one. It's all very confusing, which is why 
in a, in a lightly f- facetious way, it's, it's perfectly Loki. Right. Yeah. Which is why I was so enamored with the fact, as soon as I saw the trailer for this season of this show, I was like, of course. That's <laughs> yeah. such a perfect historical reference to shove this character in. And it also just highlights how incredible, in my opinion, I think this is why he has such fan appeal. He's a handsome fellow, of course, but... Uh, he's and he's charming, and I could I'm swooning, but it, it's it's such a compelling, not even villain, just character, mm-hmm. yeah. because he's never too evil, but he always has redeeming qualities, and he, he so he's never too evil, but when he does good, he does great, yeah. And uh, and I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts as to why you think, and I know this maybe extends outside of this the timelines piece here, why the uh, why Kang, what what was his name, the 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 he who remains, he who right? Remains, mm-hmm. Like why he picked the the Lokis, two Lokis, to kind of take his place. I think it's just because he's a a brilliant individual and he knows his impact on time, unlike mm-hmm. anyone else except for perhaps Kang, right? And this one little slice can show you that. Do you think it's like a lack of loyalty? Like it's like Ooh. you don't mm-hmm. like you the you know. uh I'm blanking. What's her name? All I can think is Sybil. Sylvia. Sylvia. Um, yeah. Sylvie. Sylvie has been literally burned yeah. by the Sylvie. Sylvie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, she's literally been burned Teamwork. by the 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 <laughs> yeah. system, so she doesn't have any loyalty. Mm-hmm. Loki's in love with himself, and um, so he'll be. Lo- they're like loyal to each other, and therefore, they aren't going to be like, well, the right thing to do here is such and such. They're going to be like phenomenal cosmic power sort of deal mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that's an aladdin reference i'm on the board and um <laughs> <laughs> right uh but i think i wonder if it has to do with like you you want to get the people that are anti-establishment but also Ooh, have yeah. their own kind of code right so that they're predictable in unpredictable ways a little bit right yeah because like they definitely both of them in particular throughout the show do show that they have like some compassion and like they might throw up a big game and 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 face of being like oh look at me i'm i am mischief i am this i am that but then like when it kind of push comes to shove they're kind of like there are times where i feel like they look at people who deserve to not go through the worst or or what yeah. have you and i think especially for loki uh, cuz i don't know necessarily everything that was in sylvie's timeline but for Loki, you know, he did just come from experiencing what he did in, a, in the first Avengers movie. Right. And I think that there's a lot of like heavy realization sort of thing of like, oh, I just did this really bad thing. But even then, Thor was still sort of willing to be like, listen, he's misunderstood. He's this, he's that. Like, you know, he still sees good in me. You know, uh, oh, God, now I'm forgetting his name. The uh, Hawkeye. No, the his the, his friend from the TVA. Oh, Mobius. Mobius, thank you. Uh, I started to say Morbius, and I was like, that's not it. Mobius, that's it. Uh, <laughs> Mo- but that's another reference, technically, I guess. Uh, nope. But Mobius it is. Uh, you know, does start to believe in him, too. So it's like, I think he sees that he can do good. So I think there's kind of like a perfect balance with the Lokis of yeah. wanting a little mischief, but also kind of going, ah, maybe that's enough mischief for now. Yeah. You know, let's put some stuff right. Yeah. I think in a very, not to make this, 
some really nice poetic kind of culmination here. But what's really, really compelling about just this scene, just mm -hmm. this moment in this grand timeline, is that it perfectly demonstrates all of the things we were just talking about. His brilliance, his his alliance to only himself at the mm -hmm. end of the day. I mean, yeah. he does look after his brother to a certain extent, but like his alliance is 100% purely for him. And his understanding of his implication in a timeline or how his actions have broader ramifications and understanding what those are yeah um this one scene in a in a kind of silly way shows that he's the perfect person for for he who remains to have nabbed out of the timeline yep. grabbed another one of himself to kind of keep him on the rails and then yep. hope it goes i'm so eager to see where loki season two goes absolutely um especially after talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. with a uh, former um, uh, Time and Scavengers guest, Eric Martin, heading up the head writer position of, of season two. You know, they're basically going to be catering directly to us, I have to I imagine. mean, so. I will say, not not. Uh, this is definitely a humble brag, but when we congratulated him on having been moved up to head writer for season two, he said to us, hey, we're doing some things I think you're really going to love. So like, Ooh. I feel like that was kind of like a, listen, I know what you're looking for, like what kind of thing you're into. Like we're coming, we're, we're hitting those points for you. So I feel- Did he really? What's that? Did he yeah, really he raise us a bit? Huh. I didn't see that. Cool. I, that's, that's the awesome. only problem sometimes of having two people on the same account for like a show is that if one person <laughs> reads it, the other person doesn't get that notification. <laughs> That's so yeah, funny. This whole yeah. time I thought we had both seen it. And I guess that does make sense that I would see that. I saw like, him oh, cool. like it. Yeah. I thought, cool. You're like, great. What? Do you guys uh, give him any little ideas? you like, hey, I got an idea. And you slide a little peeper across yes the table. Yes and no. We've tried okay. to get ourselves cast in I won't it lie, pretty yeah. much since the moment we met uh, him. So the amount of times that I've been like, specific. listen, at the TVA, they now need to reassemble some timelines. You could have two guys in the background looking at different chunks of time and putting it together. Dude. That it was would, so good to see the two of you kind of like <laughs> looking at all the timelines yeah. go along and those old yeah. retro TVs. Yeah. Like, would love oh, that. That'd be funny. It'd be a great little listen. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I I am just grateful to have had really any of the folks that have come onto the show to talk about like their passions and their the stories that they you know uh, identify with, especially young know, people who have then at this point you know written some of them and stuff like that. I think it's such a cool thing that like I'm I I think just like anyone else, I have my fair critiques of things um but at the end of the day like i'm on board the you know the the mcu train and i'm like i'm riding the whole thing out for sure kevin i have no critiques no oh, critiques okay. whatsoever well, i guess cast you're just perfect first. uh <laughs> cast me first yeah exactly. i'll put in a good word column don't worry <laughs> yeah. um who's a uh, timeline scavenger number one this guy mm, good point uh I would love for you guys to be uh, timeline scavengers in the TVA, but then also have your human version before you were plucked doing this podcast in the show. That'd be wild. That would be something. <laughs> wow. That's the one. So super that's, meta. That's the last little piece that falls into place. Oh, like, no, it all makes sense. If we could also potentially have Ms. Marvel herself on the podcast or maybe uh, yeah. Ant-Man, since both of them are kind of like into content creation and podcasting and stuff like yeah. that. And then we get plucked and they're just like, hello, hello. Did we get disconnected? You know, is my <laughs> microphone, you know, kind of thing. That'd be good stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. I just have one quick question. So this, this is my last one though that I have, which is what other big unsolved mysteries could we instantly solve with just saying, oh, it was Loki or he lost a bet. So he oh. had to do this. 
goodness gracious. Kind of leaning just into that about what any if, of them. That like, what else would you like to see? Yeah, Roanoke. Honestly, wow. I'm gonna vamp a little Roanoke bit while good. I pull up my Roanoke would be great. Little wow. literal disappearances like that would yeah. be awesome. I'm gonna pull up my whole list. I like of the mysteries. The 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 ones that are like, and I like like you've been saying facetiously surface level that aren't like genocidal or like right. horrible. Correct. Yes, whatever. Where it's just like it disappeared. Any of the ones where we literally just go, I don't know. Like I feel like that's yeah. my yeah. favorite kind of story i mean like it's right. nice when we have like a, a neat little bow to tie on the end of something like that does that is a little satisfying but there is a joy that i get out of listening to like the end of like a red web podcast not to you know be a little fanboy here for a second but like getting to the end and then it's just like and then that's as far as we know and you're like what no there has to be something you know like it's i know so good all the mandela effect stuff is loki Wow, that, that's also that would good. be good. James, that's a really damn, good one. James is crushing it. I think, um, man, this is this is tough because like those are really good ones. Mm -hmm. Those are really Thanks. really good ones. I think um, what's also compelling is like, and and it was kind of addressed in the comics with Kang. Not to kind of be very cyclical mm -hmm. here, but um, ancient Egypt and mm -hmm. all of this, as it were, the ancient aliens theories mm -hmm. or the other idea, which is ancient humans were actually way more advanced than we properly understand still right and what were the proper uses for pyramids what were all of these things how did they do these things and you can imagine someone like loki showing up and be like oh this is easily done yeah. here's the advanced technology to do it now i'm going to disappear because this will just confuse humanity forever mm -hmm. right, right. Yeah. that that to me is also like just a bit of um playing my hand i just love ancient egypt but yeah stuff like that is yeah. is really cool i do i do like the the idea you know how it's that people are like um well, I mean, I also like that, like, because the pyramid is the most geometrically, like, stable thing, like the explanation that that's why they're all over the place across the world. I also like the idea of uh, Loki doing kind of like a, a world tour, like a pyramid mm -hmm. informational world tour where he's like, all yeah. right, welcome. Uh, I'm going to draw a quick uh, sketch up on this uh, cave wall, I guess, and uh, just start building it. It's a pyramid. Anyways. Uh, you've been great. See you later. I, and then you've like, been great. Oh. I've been Loki. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the basis for all of the uh, gods of mischief for uh, all the pantheons across the world. Mm -hmm. Kind of like on a if he was right if he was the one the one god of mischief and trickery mm -hmm. in all religions all cultures that would easily make sense. There's only one god Just of mischief. Be one third person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, another I reference. Think, technically, I mean, it's the MCU, but it's not the one we're yeah. talking about. So yeah, there you go. That's what, number five, number six? I don't know. Six I got six. another one, though. Building off of the idea that uh, he was at the center of all Mandela effect things. Uh, extending on that, the glitch in the Matrix stuff. Mm. Um, whether it be like, I, I like... Um, the deja vu kind deja of scenarios, vu. right? Mm -hmm. where, where it's just like... If you if you applied a magic lens of thinking to it, it could be like a light magic or an illusory magic. But things disappearing on camera or things not being what you thought they were or being just slightly out of place or you reliving a moment that you thought you already lived, but it's slightly different now. Stuff like that, I think, yeah. would, are, are pure pieces of trickery for sure. Anything where you're like, whoa, huh. Anyway. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you don't think about it. And then that's when the trick begins. Because then later he introduces it again. You're like, wait a minute. 
Like all the yeah. Bader Meinhof stuff is him too, where you're like, I swear to God, I'm seeing tacos every <laughs> everywhere I look. I open up a comic book, tacos, and he's like, <laughs> what fools these mortals be? That's a play reference. And so that is- uh, That counts. Double. Yeah. I think that counts double. Yeah. Do you think he would get tired though of people going, oh my God, I'm having deja vu, right? Like he's like, hey, watch this Thor. And he points to someone, they go, I'm having deja vu. He's like, excellent move, Loki. Another <laughs> one. The, the one is, thing yeah. they agree on is mortals having deja vu. Yeah. That's like a high five moment every time. Yeah. I, could, I could see like Loki to me is the kind of person who could maybe get tired of it. But the fact that Thor gets entertainment out of it every time and he does secretly like to see him like having a good time and then kind of palling around that he's like, at first, he was like, another one of these things. Okay, fine, I've done this thing. But then the minute that he's like rolling on the floor laughing, like, that was so good. He's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it was. It's the little brother found yeah. the thing that, that big brother likes. So he does it forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Thor is just effectively simple enough to always find entertainment in it. Yeah. <laughs> God, exactly. I'll still never forget the, uh, the piece of improv where... Um, what is it Chris Hemsworth? Uh, I almost said Chris Pratt for some reason. He's, uh, he's like, I had this uh, when I was a child. I saw the snake on the ground. And, yeah. Oh, he knows I love snakes. So I picked it up and he turned back and, ah, or I don't remember right. the whole story, but like just the whole thing with the, the snake and, like, and you just see Loki him, in the yeah. background, mouth tied up, but he's like, yeah. oh yeah, he stabbed me. He goes, ha, ah, it's me, stabs. And then <laughs> it just cuts to Loki and he's just smiling a little bit in the background, like right. with the uh, the so mouth guard on or whatever. Good, yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It's it's perfect evidence to be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he is just doing all these mm -hmm. little magic trickeries on people. He turned himself into that a snake because he knows. That time later in the season where he could, yeah, he like uh, he cuts Sif's hair, and that's like mythologically mm -hmm. accurate. But like, just the I gave you a, a haircut in your sleep is sort of a very low key like, I don't know, because I thought it was funny. Yeah, like hey, that's low key. Welcome to Jackass. Uh, this is. <laughs> DB Cooper, yeah. and then he jumps out of a plane. But, but right before um, somehow something punches him in the balls, he goes no, and then zoom, he goes up to the thing. He, he approaches Steve Rogers like, "Listen, Steve O, <laughs> uh, do." And Steve Rogers like, "Don't call me that." Like, okay, never mind. And then just goes, away. <laughs> "I'll find yeah. another Steve." No, I'll find <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Colin, should I do a real quick Avengers ensemble just uh, to take care of one bit of casting? Yeah, absolutely. Avengers Ensemble. All right. Uh, the flight attendant, uh, Florence Schaefer, did we say? Mm -hmm. I have something like Schaffner, but... Uh, uh, I think it is Schaffner. I okay. think I did misspeak earlier okay. on, but yes. All right. Uh, she is played by uh, an actress named Erica Coleman. Uh, Trevor, on, on, on our show, it, as a, in instead of listing full filmographies for like Anthony Hopkins or whatever, <laughs> right. uh, we'll just do like sort of nerd adjacent works uh so sometimes it's like nothing and sometimes it's like uh erica coleman who was in two episodes of stranger things in oh. season three uh she played a named character whose name is escaping me classic man stuff and a uh, cute girl um was the other character name that she had later on in the season or earlier in the season i'm not sure if she was cute and then got named or <laughs> was named and then got reduced to no name but she's cute either way doesn't feel great erica coleman <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah that's, that's it that's we i looked uh while while we were talking i looked to see if there was a credit for the voiceover uh over the, for pilot. the pilot there's not uh someone put themselves in as a flight passenger but um it's impossible to tell yeah. i don't know 
you know, like sometimes we give them the credit and sometimes we don't. Sorry. Uh, I guess you got to do it again in another MC work and we'll, we'll get you later, uh, person. Um, whose name I, I didn't recall. Elizabeth, maybe? Anyways, uh, that's Avengers Ensemble. Uh, let me ask a quick guest and host here. Because I have an answer, and then you, and then I'll tell you sort of what I was thinking. Maybe you guys have have an idea or two. What is another superhero or MCU character that could have been DB Cooper? Mm. And here's what I was thinking. This takes into account there would need to be some time travel or whatever. But uh, I like the idea of Ant Man. I was just thinking that actually. That's so funny. He jumps out of the plane, Ooh. shrinks down. Ant picks him up, flies him away. Wow. What if he got smashed by his own money? Yeah. <laughs> now, and that would be allegorically and thematically appropriate. And I think that, that he would appreciate that. I was going to say, I mean, it would fit a line Let's that see. I actually wrote down in my notes from the Red Web episode, which is maybe the guy just went splat. Because <laughs> I just really like that line a lot. <laughs> that's so, that's so funny because. I don't mm -hmm. listen. I'll be honest. I don't remember half the things I say as soon as they're recorded. Oh, same. Yeah, they're yeah. Shipped yeah. and I and I yeah. and it floats from my mind. So as soon as you asked that question, I said, okay, what is the type of person that would go after a heist like that? Ant Man is a perfect answer. Yeah. Another person that would have that disposition, who's not necessarily in the MCU yet, I said, would be Deadpool. Mm. Uh, yeah. I can imagine him mm. doing this now. Sunglasses to assist with covering right. up any of the, you know. Uh, scrotum-esque nature. Now, <laughs> yeah. I pictured he would just jump out, fumble with the parachute, and then splat. Right. Well, then he could get up <laughs> right. and walk get away. Get off yeah. and dust himself. Yeah, right. and it, it would be very common. Right. Clip-on tie is very Deadpool it is. and not as Loki. Right, especially because he would be like, hold this, and then I feel jump. like a clip-on yeah. tie is like a visual gag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could you hold this? He's like, second? I don't want to lose it out in the wind. It's very lucky. <laughs> Place this, it down. this clip on tie isn't the bomb, or is it? All right, well, yep, bye. Exactly. It's covered in titanium and rare earth metals. Bye. Exactly. Who else? To find out what rare earth metals are, consult your local library. Okay, see ya. <laughs> um, hmm. Man, that's tough. That's a tough question. Because like you I could feel also like I know enough. like a like a someone that went up into space, like a, a silver surfer or whatever, where you know, and then you get your metals, like your sort of like weird metallic residue stuff. Because, like, that's true. You could have, I think, genuinely, like, again, if you do some time traveling stuff, Peter Quill is definitely because, like, the Guardians of the Galaxies uh -huh. are very much like we try to do good as much as we possibly can. But then sometimes people just steal harpulary batteries. That's not what they're called. Um, another reference there, I guess, technically. But Yandu, Yandu is DB Cooper. And they're like, uh, he wore a dark suit. Uh, Ray Bans, clip on right. tie, rare earth metals, he titanium blue, residue. No one mentioned that he's blue. Yeah. <laughs> he just has like a cloaking thing on, I guess, or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, like a like a frost giant sort of yeah. uh, illusion magic sort of deal. Yeah. Any so, well, if we're going with metals, you got Magneto here. Yeah. But I don't uh -huh. know. You know, does does he take a piece of the plane and fly off with it? You know, or uh. I'm trying to think of other like kind of neutralish villains. Yeah. One of the parachutes um, with uh, steel, please. Yeah. Just like solid yeah. steel. Give me the heaviest parachute you got. <laughs> with all the clip. Why is that what a Magneto yeah. sounds like? I don't know. But he, like, I don't know. Like, the parachutes behind, but took yeah. the clips off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Magneto. Um, Old and I, Magneto. I just had to look up. Yeah, I had to look up a list of like neutral or chaotic mm -hmm. neutral uh, Marvel folks because... I can't really in the cinematic universe. There's not a whole other 
a lot of other names I'd say, except for like an Electra type person, yeah. right? Mm. But um, obviously not a man. And, I mean, so I'm, and everyone lives. Your, so like, your daredevils could also. Right, it's true. Because he's not trying to actually get but anyone he? hurt. He actually technically can't see, but you. Well, what if he needs the money for something? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like to oh. pay off a. Like a, he fits the outfit for yeah, sure because he could wear the and suit, the suave the demeanor. Suave demeanor. He, he was seemed really, like he was blind, but then right, he kept looking out the window, being like, "That's Tacoma," right? And he kept saying things that <laughs> exactly. indicated that he could see things, right? Like, well, Maybe look, it was raining on Tacoma, space. right? And that's how he, he's getting all that info. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's like that scene with Ben Affleck. It starts raining. He goes, "Wow, you're so beautiful." I didn't know what you looked like till now. Um, oh maybe it was God, raining in Tacoma that at that scene. time, and he, and he and he sees all the. It was a pretty cool way to visualize, was, yeah. how he sees. Um, but yeah, they have since come a long way in demonstrating how he uses his kind mm -hmm. of air quotes echolocation. But yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know if he'd perpetrate the crime, but he, but it fits. Yeah, it's definitely like a thing where I I see him being the kind of person that like if it all if his hands are tied and he has to go do this thing in order to save something else in the future, he's like. I yeah. can maybe, yeah. I mean, very much the the defender's way of like, I stopped doing this, but I guess I'll put a scarf around my head and go fight. Ugh, right. again, here I am, you know. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. My last one, uh, Mystique. Oh, of course. Oh. I mean. Because you land and you become someone too, else. Almost too easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Almost. Also, why some of the different ideas of what he looked like could change. Like every time they yeah. look at him, she subtly changes the face just a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty interesting. Also, why you don't find any real DNA that's, that's on his uh, like cigarette butts and and uh, tie. Yeah, right. They're like, well, there's DNA here, but it's like this is definitely not him. Right, exactly. Right. It's um, I don't know, female human here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. He said, "Give me the money, or else, or my name's not Mystique." And then, <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess he was talking about like the prestige, like the mystique yeah, of doing the yeah, whole not, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to shapeshift because I'm a mutant named yeah. Mystique, he said. And I'm not really sure. And then he said, There's He loves poetry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought maybe we were going over a town named Mystique. And said, Who knows? He seemed to know the area. Mystique, yeah. Nevada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> prove um, me wrong, Nevada geography people. Um, should <laughs> I um, jump out of the. Do we say jump out of the plane? Yeah, was the I guess, thing yeah. that All right. Shall we'll I out jump out of the plane with uh, all three parachutes uh, to uh, head out of here? Sure. I'll take the dummy one. Mm, no, I'm oh, going to take God. the oh no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to take the upturned uh, duffel bag and hope it works. Oh, oh nice. Like a, Kind of like another Wiley Coyote sort of deal. A little bit, um, yeah. yeah. A little tiny umbrella. Um, yeah. And the speaking of which. drink. Yeah. Trevor, do you want to uh, once again tell us sort of where people can find you? Uh being as charmed by you as we both were, where can people get more of uh, your charming, if I may, D.B. Cooper-like levels of charisma and true. Uh, heist. Oh, gosh. And, and then I'm going to disappear into the night after this podcast. You'll never know who I was or where I was. And I'm actually a mystique. I'm going to go change my face now. And you oh won't believe God. that because no, it's all part of the estate. So I start tuning into a content going, where did Trevor go? That's weird. I've never <laughs> seen him again. I don't know. Um, well, I did plug myself along the way and I appreciate you letting me, um, but Red Web, a podcast wherever you listen to this show right here. And we talk about all sorts of mysteries, including this one. We go deep into the weeds on everything we know. We're mystery enthusiasts. We're not like investigative journalists or anything, but we love talking about everything we have. And then my co-host Fredo usually knows very little about them. So he brings his 
gut instincts to ask all the questions and dig in. And he's usually got a very good gut check. So, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Perfect. Well, Colin, do you want to do you want to do our social media too? Just yeah, for sure. Um, time's sake. Yeah, I'll do our our social media, and I'll do uh, one last little thing from Peter Hayes too. Right before we say our our names, uh, so if you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter at Timeline Scav, uh, which I'll definitely plug again because we're in the middle of like our origins year. Basically, so mm-hmm. many backstories um, are happening right now. So we have a sign up sheet pinned to the top of our uh, our account. Uh, to get folks to come onto the show and talk uh, about people like Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. If I may, if you have any experience growing up in either Jamaica or Compton, we would really, really, really love That's to have very you on true. the show yep. because there are some episodes coming up that we we will need not to find have some any to help us out with yeah. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's at Timeline Scav. Um, or if you want to follow us specifically. Um, uh, I'll say Trevor is underscore Trevor C. James oh. is unabashed James, and I am Colin M. Parker. I'll throw oh, those dear. out there for all of us as well. Um, and then to play us out, there is a train. One second. You got train, I got thunder. Okay, there it goes. It finally stopped. Uh, here I love is that Bruce the. Lyric. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, here is our final thing from Peter Hayes, by the way, uh, that I really enjoy. This is called Future Trevor Warning. Trevor, it, it's me. Well, you, I mean us, but from the future. Danger is afoot. Beware the aloof man. Don't trust shoes. The taco is a lie. You take the high road and I'll take the I-35 northbound to Hutto. Don't forget to remember what you've forgotten. <laughs> oh, I do love that you mentioned tacos earlier, which made me go, I have to play that one. It's like, did I quote something or did I just spit that drivel up live? <laughs> what was I saying? It was just all future Trevor warnings. I'll send it. I can send it to you specifically oh, if you want. But like, it's all things I would telling love you to, <laughs> to to look out for, which I think is great. Listen, I believe that that's future me because I again I have no memory of it. Yeah. All right. So that is going to do it for us for today, Trevor. Thank you so much. I almost said thank you so much, but that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Thank you so much for joining us um, on this episode of Timeline Scavengers, which feels. Like Loki was pulling some strings to get you, uh, you know, onto our show with this perfect episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Colin James. Thank you sincerely for having me on and letting me kind of indulge in not only my interest in film but also my interest in mysteries. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to have you. Uh, that's gonna do it for 1971 for now, unless uh, there's some jump backs to 1971 in the future. Um, as always, I am James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker, and I'm guest Trevor Collins. For all time. Always. Always. That movie with Richard Dreyfuss. That's another one. This is post-production Colin coming back one last time just to say, again, thank you, Trevor. But also, dear listeners, dear Task Force listeners, if you're still listening in, if you made it all the way to the end, here's one final message from Peter Hayes, Trevor AI voice, just for you.
Thanks for having me, Colin, and thanks for coming on this show. Past Trevor, yes, that's right, it's me, future Trevor. Solve that one, task force. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.